You're listening to Rock of Ages, where I introduce my theater kid friends to my favorite classic rock albums. And when we look at a concert album or a rock opera, they introduce me to their favorite musicals. recently departed Jimmy Buffett from 1946 to 2023. May he rest in peace. With me, I have Paul. Hey. And Romy. Hey. Escape to Margaritaville is a 2017 American jukebox musical by Greg Garcia and Mike O'Malley based on the songs of the great American singer-songwriter Jimmy Buffett. The plot revolves around a part-time bartender and singer who falls for a career-minded tourist. The show's music consists of songs previously recorded by Buffett and written by him and various other songwriters, with one exception, the original song, Three Chords. Following tryout performances in La Jolla, New Orleans, Houston, and Chicago, the show premiered on Broadway in February 2018 at the Marriott Marquis Theater and a national tour launched in 2019. And you'll never guess who got to see that national tour in Washington, D.C. Oh! You! Yeah, you. Yeah, but that is a story for uh, about 10 minutes from now. And from the Washington Post, uh, Peter Marks. Yes, Jimmy Buffett. It is your own damn fault. Oh, I know you had help in the commission of Escape to Margaritaville the lamely antiseptic musical that had its official Broadway opening Thursday night at the Marquee Theater. But it's your songs that book writers Greg Garcia and Mike O'Malley have spun into this insufferably dumb show about a beach bum guitarist who falls for an environmental science while his bartender buddy suffers flashbacks filled with tap-dancing life insurance agents. Yup, you heard that right. Escape to Margaritaville also features... For reasons that won't be parsed here, leggy clouds sashaying right out of a discarded Rockette's number, a female sidekick who flies on cables to the cheeseburger station at a Cincinnati wedding rehearsal diner, and enough bad jokes to stock a late 60s sitcom. Example, I was addicted to the hokey pokey, says the bartender, played by Eric Peterson, but I turned myself around. The musical, directed inexplicably by Christopher Ashley, who had won a Tony last season for his work on Come From Away, is built around the Buffett song that practically everyone knows as the especially catchy one that goes wasted away again in Margaritaville. It's deployed as the Act 1 finale, and the lyrics are used as such a literal guideline that one of the characters is actually nibbling on sponge cake as the number begins. 
Wasted was always the operative word in the song. It puts you in mind of a hard luck guy with three days stubble getting happily stoned in some Caribbean dive bar. The prim prescriptions of Escape to Margaritaville don't allow for any scene that coarsely colorful. The squeaky queen tail has the toned playboy, one Tully Mars, falling hard for Alison Lupp's workaholic Rachel after she arrives at the Margaritaville Hotel with bride-to-be Tammy. The usual romantic ups and downs follow, and pretty soon Rachel is back in Ohio and pining for Tolly, who meantime has become a big-time recording artist, singing Jimmy Buffett bellas and wearing Jimmy Buffett Hawaiian shorts. I was about to ask, and eventually, all is right in Margaritaville, but it isn't. How could... Buffett and company in this fun-starved beach party so deleteriously taking their eye off the ball. Oh, speaking of, at the end of the show, hundreds and hundreds of beach balls are dumped on the audience. One of them ricocheted off the top of my head. It was the only thing all afternoon in the marquee that I did not see coming. The only thing. So what do we think of Escape to Margaritaville? Uh, that, it's below average. That, like, that like the way you said that review was, like, really passionate. I was trying to emulate our great Robert Christ scale. Uh, yeah. This yeah, was, I really like it. Uh, I really like your performance. It's fine. And, uh, yeah, um... This is kind of what people who hate musicals think musicals are. That you know, that's actually a pretty point, and uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with both of you that this this musical is below average, especially if you're just listening to the cast recording. As someone who has seen the actual musical when it was on its national tour in Washington D.C., I can tell you that the it's it's more fun. I will say that it it is at least a better experience. At least you're you're having a good time. But I I can't really say the same when you're just sitting and listening to a cast recording, trying to catch any intricacies you might find in the music, to no avail. And for the, and let the record let me set the record straight. I absolutely love Jimmy Buffett's music for the most part. Like the man has definitely made his duds of albums and songs, and it's in in an especially uh, large package. But uh, for the most part, he. I have grown up on Jimmy Buffett's music since I was like three. Like I was raised by parents who were parrot heads, and his tragic passing last week just it really took like a, a toll on me. Cause like for 20 years this guy has been a part of my childhood, and now now that he's gone on Labor Day weekend, like the transition between summer and fall, like it just really stings hard for me. It's like 2003 is 2023 has been like. A terrible year. Like we we lost Chris oh, and Patrick from yes. Shea Frillas, and now now we've yeah. I've lost Jimmy Buffett. Like two like three people I've 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 looked up to as like a kind of like icons, and now they're just like they're gone, and I'm now I'm being left to my own devices, not <sighs> knowing what to do. Uh, you always have me being the oldie of the group. Yeah. That's, I guess so. Not that I make the best decisions myself, being that, uh, like, I impulsively buying a tub of Oreo ice cream while, um, while going for a walk around, like, oh, this no, place I, with I, large I literally did that. Store. I literally did that thing last year, I believe. 
Uh, yeah, and like we didn't even think. I, I so like like luckily my mom's friend was with her, and she decided to um hold on to the and uh, so it while we were out, while my mom and I were out and about. That's nice. Um, anyway, as I was saying, uh, I absolutely love Jimmy Jimmy Buffett's career. He's made a multitude of wonderful albums, and I I can't really praise the man enough as being like a staple of my childhood. That being said, that doesn't mean I still can't shit on this musical as much as I want. <laughs> yeah, this, um, I, as you said in the review, um, I, it's so funny that Christopher Ashley directed this musical, and he also directed Come From Away, which we're doing next week. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's well, night and day. Yeah, I mean, and we, it, it could be worse. It could be Rachel Chafkin directing this. What if Rachel Chafkin directed Come From Away? Oh my god, that, I would love that. But can we just do like an yeah. AU switcheroo where Chafkin directs Come From Away and Escape to Margaritaville? But, but, that, but, that would mean, yeah, I mean, but, but that would mean Christopher Ashley would direct Hades Town and Great Comet. And I, I would be interested to see what that looks like, even though it definitely wouldn't be like Chafkin level. Because Chafkin That's is like impactful. one of the, yeah, Chafkin is like, she's one of the best Broadway directors out there right now. Like her... Her sets are insane. Wow. I mean, but I love how, like, almost minimalist Come From Away is. It has its charm. Yeah, and I, when, I, when I see the but slime tutorial, when I see the slime tutorial from Come From Away, uh, I, I'm pretty sure I will respect it, too. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Come From Away is on Apple TV+. Plus. Oh, cool. Uh, I, can, I, can, like a... I can ask my parents if I can have the TV for the night and so I can watch Come From Away. Watch the movie couple right. months ago but i'll talk about that when we get to that nice. yeah. Let's talk about this. yeah and uh yeah so uh it was like early october uh 2019 i saw the so-called critically acclaimed escape to margaritaville with my mom and dad at a theater in washington dc i don't know which one but it sure as hell wasn't the one i saw hadestown in <laughs> yeah this has been a long joke with my my friends on this podcast that as I was seeing Escape to Margaritaville around the same time, like either a couple days earlier or a couple days later, James from Shafrillas saw Hades Town for the first time. And I kept uh. griping that I could have seen Hades Town. I could have made the journey from Maryland to New York to see Hades Town, but instead I went with my mom and dad to see Jimmy Buffett's Escape to Margaritaville. <laughs> I mean, I had that sort of experience. Um, my parents and I were in Markham, and I um, was protesting that I didn't want to see Indiana Jones 5 with them because it was like pretty much one of the only movie options there was. And they had a multiplex. <laughs> I, 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 I would have been content seeing Spider-Verse again, but no, I saw Midiana Jones 5. <laughs> Midiana <it> Jones. <laughs> And it was, <laughs> it was a movie. That, uh, yeah. Speaking of Indiana Jones, did you guys know that uh, Jimmy Buffett, and I kid you not, worked on a Margaritaville movie script in the mid-80s with one Harrison Ford? Wow! Really? Like, if that, if that existed, then, uh, I, I don't know, I wonder if that, um, I wonder if that materialized into, I wonder if little bits of it materialized into Escape to Margaritaville. I was kind of thinking the same thing. And this kind of does feel like a, a musical stuck in the 1980s. It sounds, it sounds like it's both 
trying to be Mamma Mia, but also predating Mamma Mia <laughs> yeah, at the same uh, time. You know, uh, uh, I feel like what separates... paradoxical. I feel like what separates Escape to Margaritaville from Mamma Mia is that, yes, the songs here are based on Jimmy Buffett, but the lyrics and the book have been written and, like, rewritten by Broadway office guys Greg Garcia and Mike O'Malley. Whereas Mamma Mia is the literal brainchild of Benny and Bjorn from ABBA. So, like, they had, like, all the say on, like, what the story was and what the lyrics meant. So, like, to them, Mamma Mia was, like, their their magnum opus in in writing. This was their opera. This was their ring cycle. Escape to Margaritaville is just another jukebox musical. So, what I'm getting at is that Mamma Mia is a Lifetime movie, and Escape to Margaritaville is a... Uh... The Hallmark movie. Yes. <laughs> that's that's exactly what this is. I would not be surprised if an Escape to Margaritaville Hallmark adaptation was aired next year. <laughs> Interesting to see. Um, I don't know. This, I don't know if the strikes are going to prevent that from happening. Unless they could have non-union writers and actors. But, like, I don't know. It's going to be tricky. Yeah. Well, it would be the highest budget Hallmark movie I'd would ever be made but and if, if, and it, if, if it ever was in theaters that there it would get some numbers in the box office like there is a large community of parrot heads out there you guys underestimate the parrot heads mm-hmm. yeah um yeah on a related note um we had some hallmark and lifetime movies uh filming in my area we were gonna film some more uh this year but then the strikes happened and i i, I was gonna be a i was gonna try and be a production assistant Hmm. But, uh, yeah, um, hopefully yeah. they reach a deal and, uh... It could be nice that you could have your name as the production assistant to the great Hallmark movie, The Christmas Christmas of Christmas Wishes. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, what about that, what about that Jack's film song? Uh, Christmas, wish and a wish for a Christmas, once upon a Christmas, twice upon a Christmas, um... <laughs> What was that one? <laughs> it was from one of his royalty-free uh, Christmas uh, videos. Yeah, I know that, but like, I I just remember which one. I remember. There's, you there's know, something at the end that was like, I cannot emphasize these are two different movies. Yeah. <laughs> also, I remember like I I can't find it at the moment, but like I remember Jack's films posted a selfie of him at a Margaritaville restaurant, like hanging with the boys, and it was just him at an empty table. <laughs> <laughs> Burback and Ted Nivison went on a tour of every single Margaritaville in the U.S. and Canada as a follow-up to their Rainforest Cafe. 
uh, excursion last year. And boy, is it uh, one of the best uh, videos of 2023. Um, let me see. Like, there, the comments are now like stuff like, "Congrats on being the first thing one million people thought of when they read the news today." Oh yeah. I uh, like that the latest comments are split between, "What a beautiful unintentional tribute to Jimmy," and "You killed him." <laughs> Either way, may he rest in Margarita Bill. It's five o'clock everywhere now. Yeah. Well, speaking of it's five o'clock somewhere, the transition between the speaking and it's five o'clock somewhere is so clunky. Like, it doesn't give you pause at all. It just goes into that song for no reason. Oh, you want to know what? Actually, you, you, want, you know what else this musical feels like? It feels like we asked the neural network to watch a hundred um, jukebox musicals and asked it and forced it to create one of its own. <laughs> Based on Jimmy Buffett songs, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was just going to say that I, I think that the it's five o'clock somewhere where they, they start off with the talking and go directly into the song. I think that's supposed to catch people off guard like, oh, we're doing the song now. Yay. <laughs> and then every, the audience claps because yeah. it's the song they know. Yeah, it's a, it's a common trick used in a lot of jukebox musicals. Anyway, uh, my, my least favorite part about this musical and a lot with a lot of jukebox musicals, actually, barring Mamma Mia, is that... The characters and situations of the musicals can get lazy to the point where literal plot points and characters are taken from lyrics of the songs. For instance, there is a busboy named Jesus. Jimmy Buffett has a song called I Don't Love Jesus. We could turn this into a song about how everyone at the resort doesn't love Jesus, guys. It's pronounced Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Uh... I did not like that song. God, um, that radiates the same energy as some like um it uh oh yeah the sergeant pepper movie oh yeah this is the sergeant mm. pepper's movie of jukebox musicals <laughs> like they have a character named strawberry fields <laughs> and a character named oh um, my god mr mustard put that in the kidnap strawberry put that in the quotes um escape to margaritaville is the sergeant pepper's movie of jukebox musicals i mean across the universe exists but I personally think that's a little bit better than this. That, yeah, oh, it's that, a lot bit better yeah, than this. Sergeant Pepper and um and Across the Universe are night and day in the realm of Beatles jukebox musicals. Yeah. I wonder when that, that I, I wonder when Jimmy Buffett's Across the Universe is gonna drop, <laughs> if it ever will. This uh, this musical might have killed any chances of a good Jimmy Buffett jukebox musical ever being released. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, the I I do not like the original Buffett song. I don't love Jesus just as much as its version in this musical. I'm I'm sorry, Jimmy. I didn't. If I didn't like it when I was five, I'm not gonna like it when I'm twenty. I I will say though, like the best song on this musical isn't even a Jimmy Buffett original. It's the song Three Chords, which I thought was like eons better than everything else on this album. I but, personally think that my favorite. Just personal preference here is uh is the coconut telegraph medley. Hmm. I don't really like how they mesh the uh the songs together because if you listen to the original songs you'll see that they have nothing to do with each other. Well, I knew that I knew that just from listening to it. <laughs> I just liked I just like the melody. I I I don't know a lot of the songs of mm. Jimmy Buffett. I'm a I'm a newbie on that part. Mm. I like the Well as a novice on the, as <laughs> I let, as someone who has listened to Jimmy for 20 years of his life, I can happily steer you to the good albums and which ones to avoid. Okay. I trust you. 
That might be a mistake, but okay. In terms of Jimmy Buffett, I trust you. Okay. Also, the the Love and Luck is a medley, even though it's a medley of just two songs, Love and Luck and Breathe In, Breathe Out, Move On. And I find it weird that, like, it's the the Breathe In, Breathe Out, Move On section starts off as, like, a Changes in Latitudes, Changes in Attitudes section, but then it it goes to a lyric from Jimmy's song, The Wino and I Know, and then it just shifts to Breathe In, Breathe Out, Move On, and I'm like, what the song is this supposed to be? I don't get it. Just just pick one. Pick one. Yeah. I caught myself. Yeah, but uh, this this musical is so perplexing in a number of ways. Yeah. yeah. Why does it even exist? Why would it even exist? Oh, why would? Oh, 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 oh yeah. Money. Uh, I have a perfect quote for this. Uh, uh, somebody make that for uh, with um the Mr. Krabs meme. Why would you make a mu- make a completely incoherent musical based on um the Jimmy Buffett songs? And Mr. Krabs is like money. Money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We cracked the code, everyone. Uh, I will say, though, I, I was pretty fond of He Went to Paris when they sung that. Uh, I do not think it oh, is yeah. as good as the original song, which I personally believe is Jimmy Buffett's greatest song ever. But they, they did good. Uh, he he Went to Paris is off uh, a white sport coat and a pink castration, his 1973 album. And the song is so good that Bob Dylan singled it out in an interview as one of his favorite Buffett songs. Mm-hmm. The other song being Death of an Unpopular Poet, which I thought a lot of when Jimmy passed. Because he was a he was he was a very famous entertainer, but as a poet, as an actual collaborator, commentator on American rock poet lexicon, he was pretty unpopular because he had he had developed this image as a messiah court jester, if you will. He's just he's selling out the arenas with his tasteless songs about cheeseburgers and drinking and no no one pays heed to the actual good songs that he has not that cheeseburger in paradise and margaritaville aren't any good because uh, i'm gonna be honest Uh, if they play at a party i'm gonna be like oh hell yeah cheeseburgers (laughs) yeah aren't you gonna play six degrees of rupert holmes oh right yeah our our famous game six degrees of rupert holmes which we do with every musical from now on because i said so let's play six degrees of rupert holmes with escape to margaritaville so escape to margaritaville is a musical inspired by the songs of jimmy buffett including margaritaville of course jimmy buffett is a singer songwriter known for his music and laid-back island lifestyle and a similar singer-songwriter known for that tropical and relaxed theme to buffett's music is rupert holmes who wrote the pina colada song not jimmy Rupert. So, this was the easiest game of Six Degrees of Rupert Holmes yet. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> yeah, you didn't even have to use ChatGPT for it, because, honestly, ChatGPT is full of shit. <laughs> yes, it is. It, t- it told me that Rupert Holmes did the music for the Pebble and the Penguin, but that's not true. It was, uh, shit, what was his name? He was a country guy. Barry Manilow. Wait, Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow Manilo wasn't country. He's pop. Uh, I don't I don't listen to Barry Manilow, I, so I wouldn't know what he sounds like. Uh, I've... I've heard several Barry Manilow songs. I admittedly have at least one on my phone. And since we're talking about uh, famous pop songwriters who wrote songs for movies, I should probably bring up that Jimmy Buffett wrote the song, If I'm Gonna Eat Someone, It Might As Well Be You, from the song Fern Gully, which brought to us the very first big-lipped alligator moment by the Nostalgia Critic. So thank you, Jimmy Buffett. You created a meme. And a uh, big-lipped alligator moment gets its name from a big-lipped alligator in All Dogs Go to Heaven, which um, has a musical number for absolutely no reason. Except it is important could. to the plot, tech- 
Yeah. Yeah, he does help. The, yeah, he does help the main character in the climax, but why? The song is that... not good. <laughs> I yeah. would. I would say that this musical's big lipped out gator moment is that psychedelic acid interlude, and we are the people our parents warned us about. Yeah. Which I kind of wish that that Jimmy did in the original song because the the song in one the lyrics in the song is Jimmy talking about how. And when he was young, he played acid rock until he was numb. And I wish there was an acid rock middle section to showcase that. But there wasn't. <laughs> he did uh, talk about Twist and Shout, and he, he cited the famous Shake It Up, baby in that song. So you win some, you lose some. All right, so before we go go around our ratings, I do have a few things I want to mention. Uh, I love how over the top they go with Cheeseburger in Paradise. Frankly, that's a song that should go over the yeah. top. Like the most broadway song on this entire album and i'm glad it's that one yeah <laughs> also uh uh 10 years ago or so uh sammy hagar the famous uh, rocker i can't drive 55 covered a jimmy buffett song on one of his albums with toby keith and it was margaritaville and i'm very pissed that it wasn't cheeseburger in paradise because that is just the song that sammy hagar was born to cover it's not too late yeah but his voice is giving out i think also- I was going to mention that I think that License to Chill, which is the first song on the album, doesn't really feel like an opening number. It doesn't, like, no. Like, I know that's the point. I know that's the point because all of them are, are, never, are never made for musical except for one exception. <laughs> but, you know, Honey Honey from Mamma Mia sounded like an opening number. And it wasn't. It was License just... to Chill doesn't. Yeah, the, the best thing about... Benny and Bjorn is that they were able to arrange Honey Honey to be a Broadway opener. Uh, Garcia and O'Malley, talented as they are, aren't fit to make License to Chill an opener. <laughs> yeah. I was also going to mention Ragtop Day reminded me of a, a different song that was uh, Cruising the Dunes from that episode of Backyardigans. <laughs> Backyardigans were listening to some good shit then. Jimmy Buffett's 1984 album, Riddles in the Sand. <laughs> Who knew they had such an eclectic taste? Anyway, um, Escape to Margaritaville. Let's just, let's just, let's not beat around the bush. This isn't really a good musical. So let me recommend oh, to you way, Volcano, some Volcano better... Is cringe. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the original 1979 Volcano is cute. It's, an, it's a nice little funny song about... It's, it's a novelty. It's meant to, to be performed with a group, like around a campfire or something next to a big volcano. But in this Broadway context, it is kind of cringe, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, because this musical is not good, I'm going to recommend you some Buffett albums that are better than it. Or at least are good to average. Are you ready? Yes! Okay, 1973's A White Sports Coat and a Pink Crustacean. It's not really rock, it's more country, but it's got some stone cold classics on it, like Great Filling Station Holdup's a fun country number, but and then there's He Went to Paris, my absolute favorite Jimmy song of all time. Grapefruit Juicy Fruit is like one of his first tropical rock songs. And then uh, Why Don't We Get Drunk. It sounds corny and silly first time you hear it, but when you realize that it's a satire, you'll see it in a better way. And uh, Death of an Unpopular Poet is also in his top 10 songs. 
Uh, on the wheel uh, is Living and Dying in Three-Quarter Time. It's got classics like Pencil Thin Mustache, Come Monday, Brahma Fear. Uh, West Nashville Grand Ballroom Gown is very uncharacteristic of Jimmy Buffett, and that, that's why I like it. He also does a song called Saxophones and a decent cover of uh, Lord Buckley's uh, comedy monologue, God's Own Drunk. Uh, we already talked about A1A, so I'm not going to really delve too much into it, but the entire second side is probably Jimmy's best. And then there's his landmark album, Changes in Latitudes, Changes in Attitudes, with, of course, the title track, A Very Beautiful Wonder Why We Ever Go Home, The Nice Banana Republics, and The Ever-Omnipotent Margaritaville. But it's also got some of his best songs like In the Shelter, Miss You So Badly, and a cover of Jesse Winchester's Biloxi. 1981, Coconut Telegraph. It's got the title track. It's got a nice ballad called Incommunicado, which people are going back to a lot after Jimmy's death. It's got the fun little number, Growing Older But Not Up, a little fun song called The Weather Is Here, Wish You Were Beautiful, and a unsurprisingly uh, nice lounge cover of Starsville in Alabama, a beautiful ballad island, and another top ten of mine, uh, Little Miss Magic. Then there's his underrated album, Somewhere Over China, from 1982. It's got a nice little disco song called It's Midnight and I'm Not Famous Yet. A, a beautiful ballad called I Heard I Was in Town. Tropical little number called When Salome Plays the Drum. And a song called Lip Service, which cooks. It's like, you can't really say that for most other Jimmy Buffett songs, but this, but Lip Service cooks. And then there's Steamer, which is just an absolutely beautiful song. Uh, One Particular Harbor, his follow-up from 1983, is, is kind of like his pop breakthrough, even though it really wasn't a breakthrough, but it's got a lot of recognizable songs of his, like One Particular Harbor and uh, Brown-Eyed Girl, uh, We Are the Peoples on here too, and so is a beautiful ballad called Distantly in Love. And the weirdest thing, a synth funk pop song called Living It Up, co-written by J.D. Souther, and I think it might actually be in my top 50 Jimmy. Uh, two more, uh, Barometer Soup from 1995. I grew up with this album, and it's going to be my birthday episode for next year. You guys are not going to stop me. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, the, the title track is, I, 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 I love this song from the minute I heard it when I was three. And then there's Barefoot Children, Bank of Bad Habits, Silly Thong, Remittance Man is, Remittance Man and Diamond as Big as the Ritz are kind of long, but they have some good moments. Blue Heaven Rendezvous is very jazzy. Jimmy Dreams is a nice folk ballad. Lange Nome is fun. Uh, the Night I Painted the Sky is very beautiful, and his cover of James Taylor's Mexico isn't half bad at all. And last but not least, <laughs> how long have I been going? Like five minutes just talking about Jimmy albums? And you guys just patiently listening yeah. to me? Yeah. 2004's License to Chill, which is this collaboration album with a bunch of uh, modern country stars. His cover of Hey You Good Looking, I could take or leave, but it's it's the centerpiece of the album because it's the first on the album, but it really I could take or leave. He has a good song with Alan Jackson called Boats to Build, which is much better than It's Five O'Clock Somewhere. He does License to Chill with Kenny Chesney, uh, Coast of Carolina. Is, uh, it's a nice song. He doesn't do anything with that one. He does Anything, Anytime, Anywhere. Um, a cover of Sea of Heartbreak with George Strait. Uh, playing the Loser Again with uh, Bill Withers, a.k.a. the Lean on Me guy, a.k.a. the Sasha Kills Herself guy, uh, cover of John Martin's, wait, is it John Martin? Is someone, someone's cover, a cover of someone's uh, Window on the World, a beautiful duet with uh, Nancy Griffith called Someone I Used to Love, and quite possibly his greatest modern song, uh, Trip Around the Sun with uh, Martina McBride. That is like, it is a beautiful song and very bittersweet for Jimmy Buffett. Uh, and of course, they would never include it on this uh 
musical because it just doesn't match with the themes of hanging out and partying all the time. And just why I'm going to give this musical a five and a half. I also give it a five. It's very weird. <laughs> it is. Very chaotic. Yeah. Uh, the reason I'm giving... Um, oh, you go first and then I'll give my reason why I'm giving it an extra half point. I don't think I liked it as much as you guys. No, that's like, fair. There's there's some, some bops here and there, but I think that's just because it's Jimmy Buffett. There's still Jimmy Buffett songs. But I guess the problem is... By the time we got to Act 2, started on Volcano, I realized what kind of musical this was, and it just kind of went downhill for me. <laughs> at, the t- at the point when she started saying she could create enough energy from a potato, I just kind of checked out. <laughs> yeah, that was... Yeah, you, you could tell that Jimmy didn't come up with that plot point. Or maybe he did. Maybe it was in his script with Harrison Ford, but <laughs> I hope it wasn't. <laughs> but I will give it this. There are some good songs on here in terms of what they were in terms of covers there are some good covers on here you liked fins it gave me teen beach movie vibes oh the shit that's what that kind of reminds me of this is low budget teen beach movie yes yeah like that the, like where would they get that budget to drop all those beach balls on everybody at the end and one of them hits your head <laughs> The most eventful thing you have, and you get traumatized for life. Day. I feel like that that critic uh, accidentally bumped into Jimmy Buffett at McDonald's, and Buffett caused him to spill his uh, McShake. That's why he was so evil on that review. <laughs> but uh, your your rating, Paul, go. <laughs> what limited my rating is the fact that the end of Margaritaville, antithesis of the entire song, it's my own damn fault. That line. It's sung like it's a power ballad <laughs> instead, of a, instead of a realization line. And I think that pretty much cemented that this is more focused on being Jimmy Buffett songs more than it is being a story with Jimmy Buffett songs. And for that, I'm giving it a 4.5 out of 10. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't think any of us would go back to this uh, at all. I'll just and listen look, to the original. Yeah, you're, you're better off. I don't know. I don't know where I'm gonna go when I'm a okay, no, no. I do have I, a, another grievance with Margaritaville. Like, it starts off with Tully being sad and such because Rachel left him. And I wish he kept that tone for the rest of the song. For, like, the entire song, I wish he, he was just being sad and dejected while Margaritaville Resort uh, was just booming in popularity around him. Everyone was just having a happy good time, except for Tully. And I wish he kept that sad tone throughout the entire uh, song. I, I think he could have done, like, the little power ballad scream, but not out of, like, proclamation, but out of frustration. I... I wish I wish Tully's spirit was broken, but I guess we can't have that in our happy-go-lucky uh, Jimmy Buffett musical. We can't have everyone yelling collectively, "Oh shit!" But I guess we can't have self-reflection. <laughs> we can't have nice things. Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, I was really confused by when on the, on the third verse, uh, Tully repeated, "It's nobody's fault." Like I was like, "No, the the lyric is, it's my own damn fault. You ruined the song. No." 
but then he <laughs> but then he said it's my own damn fault and i was like yeah okay that's better i i do wish he was bitter and sad for the rest of the song though and not uh had his he, his spirits lifted because he's a beach bum yeah i will yeah, say uh, I'll, I'll also say uh the reason i'm giving this like a five and a half and not a, a clear five because is because if we're gonna be frank here jimmy buffett's music is not suited for broadway it just isn't but the people who arranged this music to be on Broadway, the people who acted and sang, who designed the sets and what would happen, the, the directing and the writing, they deserve so much credit. And we, sh- we should like, not... What's be- that quote from Ratatouille? Uh, uh, a, pe- a, a mid piece of work <laughs> is far more effort put into it than the review of that work. It's yeah, like, something like that. Yeah, Anyone can cook. That's, that's what they always say. Well, which reminds me, Ratatouille is on Disney Channel right now, which means I I could be watching Ratatouille, but instead I'm talking about Escape to Margaritaville. The cycle repeats. (laughs) I I saw the the Incredibles in theaters At least you did see Hades Town after. Yeah, exactly. Which means that probably after this, I'm going to watch Ratatouille. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah. Everyone who uh, wrote the lyrics, uh, did the book... Uh, acted, sang, provided costumes, production, backstage, directing. They deserve so much credit for what they did to create a product that people were going to like. And if we're being honest, I I did have a good time watching Escape to Margaritaville in Washington, D.C. Looking back, it is definitely not as good as an experience, but... I feel like I would give the the show as a whole a six out of ten, but this as as the songs as solo songs, I think I'm fine just giving it just a five and a half. And also, uh, the the guy that played Brick on the on the national tour, uh, me and my parents actually uh, uh, saw him like at the the front of the theater, and we talked about him. And he was talking about how working on this musical was such a good time. It was kind of like a, they were all a family. It was a community. Everyone was working together, and that 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 really spoke to me. Because, like, regardless of, of what you take from the work, you should at least uh, consider that, that everyone, most of everyone who was working on the musical did have a, a good time working on the musical, making the musical, and we should not discredit their contributions whatsoever because they did a wonderful job. I saw, I saw the musical, and everyone was giving it their A-game. It was just, I was very happy, and I'm glad they were too. Yeah, Can't argue with that. You're right. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, though, this is this is still a little mid. But I'm if I ever did hear this on like a Broadway radio station, I wouldn't change the channel. I'd I'd maybe turn it down, but I wouldn't change it because it's gonna be over soon. And besides, I can always. It, it reminds me of the original Jimmy songs. Also, I I do want to point out I I do want to point out that the the one-eyed beach bum and the uh, strict uh, profiteer do end up as a couple at the end of Escape to Margaritaville, and I really wish that Matt Braley did the same thing with one-eyed Wally and Felicia Sundu for Amphibia. He is a hack for not going through with that. How dare he? Mm, I mean, I'd love to see a sequel to Amphibia where, like, it's revealed that Wally and Felicia hooked up, and then they some, and then, like, Anne and Sasha and Mercier just... Right, they have to go back and do something, I guess. They have to go back to Amphibia to get Grub Hogs off the menu. That's right. They have to go back to the first Grub Hog day to get Grub Hogs off the menu. 
And it's also revealed that Wally and Felicia hooked up, just like in Escape to Margaritaville. I have a theory that Matt Brawley saw Escape to Margaritaville and he realized that the one-eyed beach bum getting together with the posh puppeteer was too much. And he didn't want to seem like a copycat ripping off Escape to Margaritaville, so he scrapped the entire plotline of Wally and Felicia ever meeting. To which I say, Matt, don't, don't be so coy. Don't. Just, yeah. just make your if own I story. Don't let, don't let Escape to Margaritaville impact you. <laughs> if I ever met the actors for Wally and Felicia, either of them, I they could probably show up at a convention. I could easily ask them about that. Godspeed, uh, Romy. I, I am too scared to do something like that. I used to be too scared to approach voice actors that approach people at conventions. I mean, the conventions in my area don't really get um, like Western animation people. I mean, the exception was Allison Court, who mm. um, played several roles such as uh, Lydia on Beetlejuice. But even then, she was best known for uh, on the show. And a lot, of them, a lot of the actors are a lot of the people that show up primarily work in anime. Or they're on like something like Star Trek or Power Rangers, and not that uh, there's anything wrong with that per se, but yeah, I I see where you're coming from. Uh, I I was I'm just afraid uh, if I ever do come across uh, Wally's voice actor, the famous soap opera actor James Patrick Stewart, or Caitlin Robrock, who is the current voice actress for Minnie Mouse, I feared that they would reject my theory and and my ship of Wally and Felicia, and I would become a social pariah in the amphibia fandom. Um. Also, a fun fact: uh, Caitlin Robrock um is actually a Muppets fan, and That's Andrew right. yeah, she is. me that. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you can... Maybe if you saw her at, like, a Muppet Con, that'd be cool. Yeah, that's girl. Like, uh, there's only ever been... There's only ever been one proper Muppet Con. I was, like, six when it happened, and I didn't even know about it until later. And, yeah, Jerry Nelson was there. Oh, God, I would love to go back in time. Anyway. And I, I go back in time, the Muppet Fest, to get my regret off the menu. That's right. I go back in time to the Muppet Fest to get my regret yeah. off the menu. Yeah. Um... You know, Matt Brawley's going to Momocon in Georgia next year. I could dress up as One-Eyed Wally, and one of you guys could dress up as Felicia Sundu, and we could be like, Hi, Matt Brawley. We're your biggest fans. Do you like our ship? <laughs> if the answer is yes, we'll, we'll do something. We're gonna, we're gonna burn the script of Amphibia movie. We know it's there. Uh, how are we gonna tie this back to Escape to Margaritaville? Oh, yeah. Okay, we're hey, gonna... Do you have a... Uh, we're gonna take. We're gonna steal the amphibia movie script from Matt Braley if he refuses to confirm Alicia, and then we'll shove it up our asses and escape to Margaritaville. Yeah. We did it. Okay, you go, Paul. Yeah. I was just gonna mention something funny I found out from my research. So the guy who plays in guy Tully in this musical, his name is Paul Anderson Nolan, and Wait. guess what his First debut on Broadway was what? Do you have an answer? Jesus. Uh, Jesus. Jesus Christ Superstar. He played Jesus as his debut <laughs> on Broadway. Ah, uh, what, what? Like which revival? Yeah, 2012. Oh, the Occupy Wall Street one. Hmm. hmm. Interesting. 
I'd love to talk more about Jesus Christ Superstar, but that would also be talking about Alice Cooper, and he did some very questionable things last month that I don't want to get into, so I'm just going to move on from that. It's a shame, though, that we did like that Billion Dollar Babies, and he had to ruin it for us. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Escape to Marguerite Deville is a bad example of a jukebox musical. I'm sorry, you guys did amazing. This is just my personal opinion. Uh, but it was directed by... What was his name again? Chris Alexander? Christopher Ashley. Chris Ashley, yeah. And he directed a better musical from the previous year, 2017, Come From Away. Which, if you didn't uh, watch our Pet Sounds episode, I said we're doing next episode. Yeah! Yeah! Yeah, Yeah. So so look forward to that. And uh, rest in peace, Jimmy Buffett. Thank you for all the wonderful times. Miss Come From Away. Yep. Oh my god, that amphibia tangent added like 10 minutes to our episode. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be a very long editing night for me.